Welcome to another episode of the Sports Mecca Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. As always, I'm joined by my partner, Sam Pengeli. Today, we are previewing the upcoming 2021-22 Kansas Jayhawks basketball season. To give us an inside look at the team, we brought in KU Sports and Lawrence Journal World Jayhawks beat reporter, Matt Tate. Matt, thanks for coming on today. We appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet, guys. Let's have some fun. It's uh, it's going to be a fun season, I think, for everybody involved, fans especially, um, but the players, the coaches, and uh, even someone like myself who doesn't really care who wins or loses but gets to go out and cover it. And it's always more fun to cover a better team. And, and uh, after last year, to get back out traveling and things, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this year because last year was so weird. I'm glad you kind of brought that up because before we kind of dive into some questions, how was it covering last year and you couldn't go to the games and I assume you covered everything from your house and just said Zoom calls? I went to home games. That was different, but at least you're in the building and you're not worrying about your your stream or internet cutting out, right? That was mm-hmm. that was the stress of last year. And then I did go to the tournament in Indianapolis, which was very cool. Um, I mean, it was a it was a totally different NCAA tournament. Um, it had a different feel, different structure, different setup, different vibe around the city. But it was very cool. I mean, it, you know, the, the obviously KU didn't stick around very long. They were there at least a few days, and and I was able to get kind of a feel for that. And that that was a big thing, big reason I went. I mean, it's the, there there won't be another tournament like that probably mm-hmm. ever. So yeah. it was important to kind of feel that, document that, and, and you know, get a little bit of a historical perspective on, on that type of thing. So yeah, that, that was, that was all good. The, the road games though were, were, were brutal. I mean, the, you know, watching them on TV, I don't mind watching games of teams I like uh, as a fan on TV, you know, I mean, I'll Sunday football all day long and, and I love watching football games, basketball games, whatever. But when you're trying to cover it, it's a totally different thing. You know, you, you got to be in the building. You got to be able to talk to people before the game, obviously after the game too, but you observe things that are happening around the environment. I mean, you know, they don't show everything on TV, obviously. So, you know, you may see a guy get subbed out who just missed five shots in a row and that's it. When he hits the bench, the TV doesn't show him again, you know, but you might want to watch him. You might, you might want to look at his body language and how he's reacting. Maybe he's over there pounding his fist on the chair next to him furious. You know, that could make its way into a story. So mm-hmm. that stuff was missing. And, and it was definitely very stressful to have to rely on the TV angles and, and Zoom calls for interviews and things like that. But we made it work. We got through it. My wife was my IT person all season. She had a second computer ready, logged in with like the ESPN, you know, watch ESPN app ready to go in case mine crapped out or something like that. So I was thankful for that. And and the best part, I love traveling. I love going around and covering these games wherever they go. But there's a lot of 6 a.m. flights when you're doing it on a sports writer budget and trying to you know, get home as cheap as fast as you can. So this time when the game was over, I walked about 12 steps to my bedroom and I was already home. So there was a small silver lining there, but, yeah. but I, I'd always rather go cover games on the road for, yeah, sure. So for sure. Looking forward to that this year. Definitely. You were actually at the NCAA tournament and you were able to, you know, really document the short NCAA tournament set that the Jayhawks had. A lot of words can describe what happened against USC. It was, one of the biggest losses that Bill Self had suffered. Um, I think maybe if not the biggest that he had definitely the lot 
largest NCAA tournament loss they've had under the self era. Um, got blown out by USC. A lot of questions like entering the offseason about like who's going to stay, who's going to return. But, you know, Marcus Garrett decided he wanted to move on and go to the NBA. But, you know, they got fortunate news of Ochai Abaji and Jalen Wilson returning. Bill Self really was able to utilize the transfer portal. Got Remy Martin from Arizona State, Jalen Coleman lands from Iowa State, and then Joseph Yesifu. So Cam Martin, too. So it feels like a little bit of like a completely new roster, but then you also got a lot of new guys. So give us kind of your first impression on the roster. And then, you know, if you were able to attend late night in the fog, you know, how that was. Yeah, I think they're loaded, man. I think I think they're absolutely loaded. I mean, you had 10 new faces to the roster, but at the same time, you're able to return four starters from last season. The, the math there is crazy. I think it's just wild that, that they're still so new, but they have that core of returning guys that that's a that's a pretty talented and experienced core with with Ochai and McCormick and, and obviously Christian Brown and, and uh, Jalen Wilson, as you mentioned. And then, you know, there's a couple other guys that have been there and, and, and played. And Dewan Harris is one of those guys. Mitch Lightfoot is one of those guys. So it's a loaded roster. I think they've done a great job of blending this new crew with, with, a, with a really strong core of returning guys. And I think what you're looking at when you look at it from that perspective is last year they had to ride with their guys. And guys like Ochai and CB and, and, and Jalen, you know, they had to play 35 minutes. Marcus Garrett played a ton of minutes. He always does. And a large part of the reason for that was they just didn't have a whole lot on their bench they could go to. They didn't have a whole lot of, on their bench that had developed to the point where they're trusting them and, and reliable options. You know, it, it just wasn't there. And so what you've done is you've taken that bench and you've upgraded it big time. I mean, you've got guys like Yesifu and Jalen Coleman-Lands and Cam Martin who should be able to, to play big minutes if needed or fill important roles if needed or, or whatever's needed. But again, they're going to be supporting that returning core of, of your four returning starters. So I think that just sets up so well. Their depth is an amazing weapon. Um, their freshman class is good. Um, there's no doubt about that, you know, but those guys, because of everything that's in front of them, will be able to kind of come along a little slowly and, and adjust to the college game and not get thrown out there right away. But a couple of them could play big minutes. I mean, uh, KJ Adams looked great at late night. I, I thought he, uh, he, he looks a lot more mature than a freshman physically and, and in terms of the way he plays out there. Bobby Pettiford's another guy that I think is going to be a terrific player for Kansas for years um it's just a matter of how many minutes he can get at that at that lead guard spot this year it's gonna be tough with with harris and and remy you know probably handling most of those so plenty of options plenty of depth plenty of versatility Uh, it's just a loaded team that's why they're going to be ranked top two or three in the country entering the season uh it's not just because they're kansas it's because they have a great roster and a lot of versatility and they can play big they can play small they can play fast they can play slow i mean it's just Self's going to have a blast with this team. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's going to take a little while for all of them to figure it out and put it all together. But, you know, they've spent a lot of time this summer already working on that and, and they're well on their way. You mentioned versatility. Obviously, the depth, like you mentioned as, as well, is is much more loaded. They can maybe go 9, 10 deep this year, which typically, you know, Self will usually maybe cut that roster to eight guys once conference play starts. That might not be the case this year. How do you view Self's uh, minutes distribution on this team? Yeah, you know, he's not going to change who he is. So as much as the depth is there and they'll have the opportunity to, to play a bunch of guys, I think when it comes down to it, when they're playing Texas or they're playing Baylor or they're at Oklahoma in you know, February or whatever it is, 
he's still going to play the guys that he trusts the most and the guys that he feels like are, are going to be in the right spots and do the right things. And so if that's nine or 10 guys, then that, that may, you know, impact the way he kind of hands out his minutes. If that's only seven guys, then that's what he'll play. So um, I, I think the biggest thing is though, I think there'll be an opportunity to keep guys fresh and not, and not necessarily fresh in games, but I think you'll see guys like Ochai or McCormick, they won't have to play 30, 35 minutes all of the non-conference season. And so they'll kind of keep them fresh on the front end of the schedule so that they're fresher when January, February, March roll around, rather than worrying about, you know, gosh, we only want to play him 27 minutes because we want to give him 13 minutes of rest or whatever it is. I mean, I don't think that'll matter as much as just kind of, it's, it's sort of like load management, right? I mean, they do that in the NBA all over the place now, and it's sort of like that. I don't think they'll go full scale with that. And I, I don't think that's anything that self would ever really buy into, but you know, he might've last year with a guy like Garrett, right. Who was constantly battling some sort of nagging injury and, and, you know, giving him some rest on the front end to make sure he's healthy and, and full speed down the stretch would have, would have been something that would have been majorly beneficial. And they just didn't have enough on their bench, as we mentioned a minute ago, to be able to do that. So if that's the option this year, if they can do that, I think he will. Um, but I, but I still think you'll see some of those guys play their regular 33, 35 minutes a game. It's just, they may not play that as in as many games. And and so in that way, you're keeping them fresh and, and trying to just take care of their bodies as much as possible so that they're, they're feeling good and, and playing good and jumping high and running fast and all that stuff. When, when the grind of March arrives. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Matt, uh, thank you for coming on today. We look at Kansas this year. I feel like they're the favorite to win the Big 12 this year. But uh, who do you think is the biggest threat to KU in the Big 12 this year? Yeah, it's a good question. There's no doubt that it's Texas and Baylor. I don't know. I think you can flip a coin if you had to pick just one because they're, they're, both, they're both loaded. I mean, Baylor lost a lot obviously off that national championship team. So they won't be anything close to what they were, but they still are bringing a lot back and their recruiting has been on fire lately. He, uh, Scott Drew's got a, got a talented roster again, and it may take them some time to kind of gel and, and fit all those new pieces together. But same thing, they've got a couple of returning guys that, that were a big part of that title run last year. And, and so they'll, they'll have plenty to offer. And, and then those new guys, if they get up to speed quickly, Baylor will be a tough out because of their roster, but also because of how they play. It's just, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of one of those powers now. Um, Texas, sort of like, like Kansas. I mean, they, they brought in a lot of new faces, including a new head coach. But uh, we all know about Chris Beard and what he's about. So if he can take what he was about at Texas Tech to Texas and get this new group to, to play his style and play with that tenacity and play hard and, and just compete for 40 minutes night in and night out. I mean, there's no reason to think that they won't be uh, right there. I mean, they're, they're probably a top, both of those are probably top 10 teams entering the season. Texas is probably a top five team. And, and so you've got four games against those two schools, all of them, I believe after February 5th. So, you know, all four of those games are in the last half, at least of the, of the conference schedule. And, you know, that, that doesn't make anybody safe. I mean, I think somebody could have a two or three game lead over the rest of the field, but with games against those four or, or those four games still to play, nothing's, nothing's guaranteed at that point. So you're going to have to go wire to wire to, to win the conference. And, and I think those four games will obviously have a huge, huge impact on it. After that, I, I mean, I really like Oklahoma State. 
I, I think even without Cade Cunningham, Mike Boynton's got it going down there. I mean, he's he's got a good roster and a good style and culture and philosophy, and um, they're a tough out every night too. So um, I don't think Oklahoma State or anyone else really can probably crack that top three. But yeah, there's no question that Baylor and Texas are going to give Kansas everything they can ask for. And, and uh, same thing, right? I mean, Baylor put it on KU once last year. Texas did as well. KU's not forgotten that. These guys, a lot of these guys were a part of that, and, and they're going to want to pay those guys back this year. So uh, those will be four outstanding games. You know, it's a long way away right now. It's not until February, but I would fast forward right now and watch those games. Those are going to be an awesome time. Yeah, I think uh, I looked at the schedule, and KU will play Texas the last regular season game at Allen Fieldhouse. I think there you go. That'll be it. That could end up being a game that determines the uh, Big 12, 12 crown right there. No question. That was like Baylor coming to, to Lawrence last year, right? Last game of the, yeah. the season. Was a, I think that the schedule makers, they might tell you that they don't look at those things, but I, I think they're lying. I think they do. I mean, that's just too, that's too good of a setup. And, and from a marketing perspective, from a, from a, a perspective of all eyes on the big 12, that's the, the best case scenario right there. Right. I mean, you get, Two of the premier teams in the country battling it out for the the Big 12 championship or the Big 12 regular season title anyway. And you get to put that game on TV and it's in one of the best venues in all of college basketball. I mean, that's that's going to steal headlines that entire week, you know. And and so that I, I think they do factor that kind of thing in. It obviously isn't guaranteed, but that's the hope, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, some of the roster coming up. Talk a little bit about the freshmen. Uh, which freshman do you see having the most impact on this team uh, this season? Yeah, good question. I think it, it kind of varies. Uh, so if you'd asked me two months ago, I would have said somebody else. And if you'd asked me two, two weeks from now, I might say somebody else. Uh, I, I think the one thing we know, especially since he's kind of battling an injury right now with Kyle Cuff, the 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 young guard who classified up to get here early. I, I, I think with him being injured and, and that position being so deep, I, I think Cuff is probably going to be a redshirt candidate. And, and uh, even if he doesn't redshirt, he just, I can't see a ton of minutes for him. So um, at least not right away. He's got a great future. He's a talented kid and mature, but I think this would be a, a good redshirt year for him. So that leaves those other three with with uh, Bobby Pettiford, Zach Clements, and, and KJ Adams. And again, the guard spot's so loaded. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Pettiford's probably the most talented of those of those four coming in, at least. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna. I think he's gonna have the hardest time finding minutes because you got Remy Martin ahead of him. You got Dewan Harris ahead of him. You got other guys like Brown and Ochai that, that play guard positions, right? Joe Yusefu, as you mentioned a minute ago. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty tough Jalen Coleman lands, another guy with, you know, 25 year old college guy with experience. I mean, it's going to be hard to, to jump in line ahead of those guys. So I will, I will go today with, uh, with KJ Adam, as I mentioned at late night, he looked like he was comfortable out there. He was around the ball. He's a big physical body. Um, he can play on the perimeter, but he can also go down inside and 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 factor in and and get on the glass and and finish through contact and things like that. So I really like all those guys. I like Zach Clements's game a lot. I think he's going to be a a really fun player for Kansas fans to kind of get to know and and watch in the years ahead. But um, I don't know how huge his minutes will be this year. But I, I think Adams has a chance to, to, to kind of get into that rotation and, and, uh, and use that frame and use that physicality and, and just 
be a little bit ahead of everybody else. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, uh, so this KU team obviously used transfer portal to their advantage to uh, rebuild this roster. Which one of the freshmen do you think will have the best season? My choice would be uh, Remy Martin right away. Oh, the newcomers, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt that that most people would say it's Remy, I think. You know, a lot of people have him pegged as the, the number one transfer in, in the entire country. So when you're ranked there on that list, it's it's much easier for people to say, well, that's the guy. And I do think he will be. I think what he brings to the roster is is just so important. He's lightning quick. I mean, you know, we've seen him play at Arizona State. I, I've, I've seen him in person and I've also seen him on TV, you know, and, and you know he's good, but seeing him again the other night at late night and watching him up close and, and he's been battling an ankle injury. And even with that, he still looked lightning quick. He just brings a whole other dimension. I mean, he can get by guys with that first step, pretty much anybody. I mean, there, there aren't very many guys that are going to be able to stay in front of him. So it, it'll have to come down to how he wants to play, you know, and at Arizona state, he was a high volume scorer and shooter because he had to be. And, and that that's what that team needed. That's not what this team's going to need. So uh, I think he's going to need to be more of a pass first point guard and, I think he's willing to do that. I, I think that if he's able to do that, th- these guys are going to get a lot of open looks and easy buckets, and that's just going to make Kansas more dangerous. So, you know, he he may be the answer, and, and it may not show up at all on the stat sheet, but he's going to affect the game unlike anybody else. But second, I, I think I would put Yusefu on that list second. I mean, that, that dude is really fast. He's really athletic. He can fly up and down the floor. He can jump out of the gym and, and he's fearless. He's a Chicago guy. You know, he doesn't care about anything. He's here to, he's here to show that he belongs on this level. And I I think that, that he'll do whatever's asked of him and fit in as a good teammate and all those kinds of things. But I think that he's got a chance to really, really open some eyes and and be a guy that, that people probably look at as kind of a steal for Kansas to get. So, um, you know, pencil him in as probably your sixth man. I, I would think he's got a real good chance to be the first guy off the bench if they go to a guard gosh Dewan Harris could too and and they could have to go to a big man off the bench so again just depth 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 but I I would say Remy I mean that's 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 got to be the easy answer and and I don't say that to criticize you I think that's (laughs) I think that's just if it's not Remy then he didn't have a good year and they need him to have a good year so I think he's got to be the answer and I think he'll deliver yeah definitely I I I like I've always liked the Remy Martin's game I definitely agree. I think he's going to be a pass first type guy with this uh, roster. He had to score a lot because there wasn't really much options around him at Arizona State. And I think one of the things, too, is I think he's going to be a lot more efficient. His efficiency is going to go up because he's playing on such a good team and he's not going to have to take some acrobatic shots that he had to take at Arizona State. But one thing I look forward to about Remy Martin is he's going to be the guy I think is going to have the ball last four minutes of the game. He's going to be a guy that they're going to turn to to get the big shot. And also his ability to take those acrobatic shots is going to help him help with the when the shot clock's less than five seconds. You need to just throw something up like he's capable of making some ridiculous shots. I feel like he's going to be like a Devontae Graham, Sharon Collins type point guard that uh, KU's had in the past. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. And Yusefu, I think he's got some of the most potential to do a lot of damage, not this this year, but uh, years ahead for KU as long as he's here. And I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of options. I mean, we can't forget Ochai when it comes down to, you know, they need a big shot late. Um, But you're right. I mean, Remy, with that first step, (laughs) He'll he'll be able to, to to get opportunities 
and see daylight where maybe it, it doesn't exist for other guys. So I, I think he's the kind of guy that could shoot three or four times a game and still score an average 12, 13 points because I think he can get to the free throw line. Yeah. Um, he'll make open shots. I, I think his, his quickness in the open floor in transition can get him some easy buckets. I, I, yeah, I just think uh, I, I'm really excited to see what kind of player he is because I think for himself, too, he needs to showcase to the NBA that he's different than he was at Arizona State. And I, I think that that's a big part of the reason he's here. And I think that's a big part of the reason that, that he's going to fit in so well, because what this team needs is exactly what he needs to show the next level. And so I, I think that's a that's a perfect match right there. You know, in last year's team. Not a lot of guys were able to get to the free throw line. You know, Devon Dotson, I think maybe got six free throw attempts per game. And, you know, when they had Frank Mason in his national player of the year season, those guys were able to get to the line and really give Candace easy points. It felt like there wasn't a lot of chances to get easy points last year. But one last thing, how much minutes do you think Candace gets from Cam Martin? And what should Candace expect from him considering you know, he came from – what Missouri Southern and uh, Missouri Southern State? Um, yeah. Not feels like not a lot of guys will come from D two and like make huge impacts at Kansas, but feels like they might have to need him to give. You know, when David McCormick's off the when he's on the bench, they need someone to maybe give him 10, 12 minutes and provide some scoring. How do you view Kim Martin? Yeah, I mean, depending on the matchup and, and how teams are defending Kansas, I think he's a guy that could easily play 20 minutes a game uh, a bunch of nights. I mean, he, he's he's certainly capable. He's a great shooter. Everybody's known and read that. Uh, so if he's that true stretch four type of guy, it's going to be a matchup problem for people because he is also strong enough to go down low and do some damage. So I think the biggest thing I'm interested to see is how much he's out there with McCormick. I do think it'll happen some. I don't I don't know that it'll be a staple of what they do. I don't they're not going to start that way anything like that, but but I do think it'll happen some and and again I think that just that just illustrates the versatility that this that this team has. I mean, Bill Self can kind of be like a mad scientist in there and just tinker and dream up anything he wants. You know, he could he could play those guys together, he could play them, you know, rotating whatever he wants to do, whatever he needs, but um I, I think that he's got a rep Martin's got a reputation as a shooter. And, and I understand that's that's a large part of the reason he was brought here. But I, I think I think people are mistaking themselves if they if they underestimate his strength inside. I mean, when you consider what what most four men are in college basketball today, which is six, seven, six, eight, maybe two, ten, something like that. He's way stronger than anybody that's that, that that's got that kind of frame. That could be a way where where he plays, if he's out there with Dave, he plays inside and takes advantage of that matchup and just punishes a littler dude. And Dave floats on the perimeter where he's also comfortable and, and pulls the bigger guy away from the basket. So, you know, we'll see. I don't I don't know how much they'll play together, but I am looking forward to finding out because I think that's a that's an interesting dynamic, more of a traditional two big man lineup, right? And then but he's also versatile enough that he can stand out there and, and be that stretch four and go bombs away and, and make three, four, five shots a game if they're open. And he's got to shoot them. I mean, that's, you know, when talking to him this summer, that's, that's what he said he came here to do. I'm going to shoot if I'm open. And then at late night, he let a few go, but he also did some pump fake stuff and then tried to kind of take the ball off the dribble. And I think if you watched late night, that's the last time you'll see him do that. I'm sure that showed up on film and the coaches are like, what, what are you going to do? You're going to drive by someone? No, that's, 
you're either shooting the ball behind the three-point line or you're down low getting rebounds and punishing somebody. You're not a you're not a pump fake and drive guy. So we'll see. But he's a smart dude. He he uh, he knows the game. He's got great feel. Uh, it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor. He's he's got a chance to be a, a big part of this thing. Matt, we know that you're a busy guy and you got another meeting coming up. Sam and I do appreciate you coming on for a bit and, and previewing the season and answering a few questions about the season, which only starts in a month. We're actually getting pretty close. Pretty close, for sure, man. It's uh, it's going to be here before we know it. And, uh, you know, as long as the warm weather sticks around, I'm good with that. I just hate winter for that, the cold weather. But I'm I'm ready for basketball season, and, and I'm sure everybody else is too. And and hopefully it's a full Allen Fieldhouse, and, and, it, and it feels, you know, like it, like it used to because – Last year was great to have it, and, and everybody needed it, I think, for their mental capacity. And just to play basketball was a, was a big accomplishment, a big win. But, you know, now, as Self has said recently, I think this was his quote, right? It's time to have some fun. I think it's more fun when you have a top two or three team in the country. So no wonder he's saying that. They're going to be really good. It's going to be a tough schedule. There's going to be a lot of marquee games. Obviously, that Mizzou game's on the schedule. Kentucky's coming to Allen Fieldhouse. They go to New York twice. They're in Orlando for a tournament. Uh, they go play at Colorado. I mean, that's that's a crazy non-conference schedule. And then, you know, then the Big 12's tough every night. So it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, you can check out everything that I do anyway at KUSports.com. It'll be there all year. It's about time to not get much sleep, but I'm okay with that. Appreciate you, Mac, coming on, and uh, I've enjoyed reading and uh, watching your stuff over the years, and I hope uh, everybody listening to this podcast, check out kesports.com, whether it's the website or uh, their YouTube channel. They'll have a lot of good content on there for all your uh, KU sports needs. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys, and uh, I appreciate you having me, and enjoy the season. Moving forward, now that you know Matt is <laughs> off to continuing his work uh, with kusports.com, Sam, I think we should talk. We should talk about what the starting lineup will look like this year. All three of us mentioned the depth on this team. Potential. I think we kind of know what the mainstays on this roster would be at, at the starting lineup. Like I think we, we have a good feeling that McCormick is going to start at the five. Wilson will be at the four. Abaji will be at the three, and Remy Martin will be at the one. I think the only thing we got to think about is who's going to start alongside Remy Martin. Is Self going to give the ball to Dewan Harris as a starter? Is he going to give it to Yesifu or Christian Brown? Maybe Coleman Lands? Where do you think Self goes with the starting lineup? I think the number two spot, Christian Brown's going to take it at the start right now. I think Bill Self has a lot of trust in Christian Brown throughout his uh, time right now. Um, even though like a lot of KU fans sometimes get a little frustrated with Brown with his uh, tendency to be a little bit more passive than what we would like. But I think uh, Self uh, still uh, trusts Brown right now. I also feel like with Brown, I feel like he might be a little bit more aggressive this year because he knows that like Harris, Yusefu are right behind him and Coleman Lands who are hungry to take some of his minutes. So we might see Brown step up a little bit more than usual because the competition that he uh, faces as well. But if Brown doesn't step up early on, I think I think they're going to go with Harris to actually start. I think I've read right now that Bill might even start him over Remy as of right now, obviously because Remy has that ankle problem right now. But also, Dewan Harris is also, I've read that he's really stepped up his game. He's improved so dramatically. And 
and can can be that guy who will be pesky defensively, can distribute the ball. I think it's going to be a little bit interesting right now at the start, but even if Harris starts over Martin, Remy's going to eventually take that starting spot back and they'll have it full time. Yeah, Dewan Harris really found that niche of like get under your skin, pesky defender, and then we know what Harris can provide as a playmaker. And to be honest, Remy Martin, we know how good of a playmaker is, but we really haven't seen much development from guys like Jalen Wilson, Christian Brown, um, Ochai Baji in terms of playmaking. So I think you got Remy Martin and, and Dewan Harris as like really like the two. I mean, I think you throw Yesufu in there as well, but really those are like the three top like playmakers. But, you know, kind of back to Harris, like if he can find an offensive game, even if it's not as, even if it's a limited playing time, that's a big upgrade because, you know, for his development, you know, Martin's not going to be here after this year. So even if Dewan Harris doesn't start, to start this season, he's going to have that spot probably locked up next year in 2023. So his development this year, improving in that area should help him for next season. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of with you. I think Christian Brown will start maybe just because self feels like, Hey, I've had him for three years in the program. No knock on Yesifu, but you know, I haven't seen him play. In, at Kansas, you know, I'm just going to kind of roll with the more experienced hand. Um, I think that's what he'll go with. But who do you think, you know, again, we mentioned that the depth and we might not have like Kansas might not have a 20, 19 points per game score. But if you'd have to pick Sam, who will be the Jayhawks leading score? And if you have to predict the top three leading scores? I think KU's, I think Ochai Abaji will be KU's uh, leading score this year. I think that uh, because his game is uh, is scoring, it's he's not much of a distributor. So I think I don't think he's gonna like he's gonna be focused more on passing the ball as much. I think Remy Martin's gonna play more of that role because he's gonna get him. I think Abaji's gonna have a lot more open shots this year than he did last year because of the fact that last year okay, he didn't have a reliable playmaker at the point guard position. And Ochai still averaged, I think, was it like 12 a game? Like, Yeah, about 12, 13. Yeah, I think he's going to average, about, I'm going to say he's going to average about 17, I think, this year. And also, Abaji's three-point percentage has increased every year. And I, I see that, that being going up as well. And I think he'll also get a lot of alley-oop opportunities with that athleticism. So I think Abaji most likely will be our top scorer. I think Remy's going to average about, I want to Say even though he's gonna be a pass first guy, I think he's gonna average 15 points a game. I think he's gonna his his shoot offensive efficiency is gonna increase this year because he's not gonna be taking a bunch of crazy shots because that's not gonna be his uh, role this year at KU, unlike it was at um, Arizona State. And and he's also he's gonna get a lot a lot of points because I think he's gonna get to the free throw line probably the most out of anybody on this uh, this KU team. And then my third leading score, I think McCormick, I think uh, Dave is going to get a lot of looks inside. I, th- I think he's he's going to improve a lot. His game really, he really uh, blossomed last year into like the player that we all, we all thought he would be as a freshman. And he's also, the thing about McCormick too, he's also an 80% free throw shooter. So with the mark, with the playmaking of this KU team this year, He'll have like more opportunities to get like those passes inside where, uh, and then he'll get fouled a little bit more and we'll see him shoot mm-hmm. it more at the free throw line. And 
the three ball might be in his arsenal a little bit more this year. I wouldn't be surprised by that because he does have a really nice stroke and he might, he's not afraid to shoot him sometimes, even though it drives us crazy at times. David McCormick is definitely <laughs> not afraid to shoot it. David McCormick is also a 100% three point shooter. He has never missed a three pointer in his Candace career. He is a perfect one for one. Yep. Just like Jeff with the. Just like Jeff Withy, they're they're sharpshooters. Like you got to go out and guard them. I think what we're, I I would agree with the with the top three scorers, but I would also go out at, at it and say that I think this is the three most important players for Candace to to achieve a season that they want. You know, you look at it starting with David McCormick. I feel like there's a there's a little bit of unknown behind him. I mean, we kind of have a feeling that. Like, okay, we, we think Cam Martin can can be a solid backup, but still making that adjustment from the D2 to a high-level college basketball is not easy. And Zach Clements, he's a true freshman. And we've seen in the past true freshmen, especially at the forward position under Bill Self, take time to develop. So it might not be a seamless maybe first two or three months for those guys to come off the bench. And I think it's, it's going to be important <laughs> that McCormick also stays out of foul trouble because that was an issue that he had last year. Now, granted, you know, they do have more depth, but I think teams are going to start hunting him on defense and try to get him in foul trouble. So it's important that he can you know, stay aggressive, but not, you know, pick up two or three fouls in the first half. And there was a lot of times where he did that. Let's kind of talk about the, really the contour of this lineup. What do you view as maybe some positives that this team can really use to their advantage to attack teams? And what do you see as potential concerns that might be the, this team's pratfall for maybe a couple more losses in the regular season or, you know, a tournament loss? I think I think one of the things I one of possible positives for this KE team, I think defensively they're gonna be like a pest. I think like guard wise, because they got so much depth with Yusufu, Remy Martin, and Dewan Harris. They'll have a little bit of a luxury to be able to uh be a little bit more aggressive defensively and try to go after steals. I think my strategy with Dewan Harris is, is like just have him like go out there and just like be as aggressive as possible. If he fouls out it, it's like no big deal because, I mean, Remy Martin, Yusefu will still be will be there at least to uh, to be able to get those minutes towards the end of games. So I think I think you have that luxury with so many guards and Bobby Pettiford being there as well. You can also throw him in in games as well if needed. So I think the depth at the guard position could be something that that is a uh, very important. I would say uh, probably the big concern is some of it is also like, I feel like chemistry a little bit, you can definitely a little bit of concern a little bit because you got so many guys who can score the basketball. So you got, you just got to hope and cross your fingers that, uh, that this team will uh, be able to play together. Don't have like, uh, have like any ego problems, which could be a possibility like uh, in uh, 2009, 2010, that we saw that team have some chemistry issues and uh, that ended up costing them in the NCAA tournament. But I think the age of this team being like so old and experienced in college basketball that I don't think that's going to be as big of an issue, in my opinion. I think another concern could be the lack of experience. And then also like big man wise, if David McCormick gets in foul trouble, I think a lot of KU fans have lost a lot of trust in Mitch Lightfoot and also with like Cam Martin not going from D2 to D1 is going to be a huge jump. So that could be like a really big concern if some of those guys 
don't work work itself out. And uh, and McCora gets in foul trouble. Is our in, inside interior play might be a might be an issue in some of those games that might cost us a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said it with the interior. I mean, I think Mitch Lightfoot is essentially at this point the Jayhawks version of Udonis Haslam. Like he's just a cheerleader. Um, no offense to Mitch Lightfoot if you actually end up listening to this podcast. Um, you, you've been here. I mean, he's been there for six years. Self has thrown him out many times over the years as like, okay, do your job for seven, eight minutes, and that's it. And that's strictly what he does. It's give you give him energy, block some shots. Um, if there is a mismatch to be had, maybe take advantage of it on the offensive end. But relatively speaking, it's a pretty limited role. But again, I mean, Zach Clement is six, what, six, nine, six, ten, but yeah. he's a freshman. His body's not going to be what it will be maybe once he's a junior. So they don't have incredible size. And I think if a team were to play Kansas that has not just depth, but guys that are six, eleven, seven foot that are pretty mobile and they're a little bit bigger, you know, that'll test KU's strength in the interior. And, you know, as much as depth that they have, None of these guys, I don't think, resemble a Yudoka Azabuke um, mm-hmm. or a Jeff Withy, or if you really want to go a little bit later, you know, a Cole Aldridge. Like they don't have those just st- like not only do they have not only have like an elite rim protector, but they don't have like an immovable object in the paint. And I think if Kansas were to face a team that has just physical guys in the paint that have size and can throw their weight around, it could give Candace problems in the interior but one thing i'll say is they have so many options that they can go to on the perimeter and they can go especially from a shooting perspective where it might not matter if they make their shots and and can really attack mismatches um, on the perimeter and their guards can get to the line but really the last big part about this podcast sam is win loss projections I think we would feel confident in saying this team is going to finish higher than what they did last year. They were a three seed last year, lost eight games, I believe, in the regular season. With the experience they have coming back and the talent, I don't see eight games that they'll lose. I think they'll still lose probably a good amount of you know a good amount of games, but I think it's still going to be enough where they'll be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Give me like what their record is going to be entering the NCAA tournament and then, you know, potential regular season losses. Good question. I think, I think looking at this, uh, a lot of the schedule, I think, I think four to five going into the NCAA tournament is a reasonable, reasonable fair amount. I think I would give them, I think this year they, they, they go undefeated at Allen Fieldhouse this year. I don't see looking at their schedule non-conference as well. I don't see them losing a single home game this year, conference play. They will definitely split. I definitely think they, they'll split with Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas, and probably probably West Virginia since KU has always had issues going into uh, West Virginia in the past. So I think those four those are four losses I, I, I'll pencil in. I feel like they could drop a, a game in, in, in non-conference play. One game that really, like, really just, like, baffles me right now is playing UTEP in KC because KU, last year we saw them play UTEP and they just looked horrible against them. And also playing in KC at the T-Mobile Center 
the atmosphere there is so bad that like they just don't they're not the same team when they play there so that's a game they that definitely could show some vulnerability but other than that I think when they play I think they're gonna beat Michigan State early on I think they'll win the Orlando Classic and then I think they'll end up beating they'll beat Kentucky at Allen Fieldhouse in some of those key non-conference games what what would you be saying their record is going to be entering the NCAA tournament? Twenty six and five. I mean, you got to count. I guess the, the Big Twelve tournament would it be? I think it'd be like twenty nine and five. Like counting if you count like all those games. So somewhere around there, they'll have like twenty nine to thirty wins going into the NCAA tournament, and they'll be a a number one seed in the Midwest region. Right, Midwest region. I believe the regional final this year is in Chicago. Yep. You got Chicago, L.A., which we already know Kansas will not be in. I think Philadelphia has the East region. And then who has the South region this year? I want to say I, it's, it, I, I think it's San Antonio, I want to guess. Okay, so potentially San Antonio could be a maybe destination for Kansas, but Chicago looks to be the region that Kansas would be going in. Chicago has a uh, has a really big uh, KU fans are really popular in Chicago, so that'll help KU as well. It's probably gonna they'll have that home court feel as well, and plus it's it's really an easy travel to get to Chicago from uh, Kansas as well. So, very last topic we'll go with here is final predictions. Where does Kansas end their season? Final fours in New Orleans this year. Kansas has a very good history of making the final four when it's in that city. Um, I think the past three final fours in New Orleans, they've made it 93, 2003, and 2012. Is this the year that Kansas makes it back to the final four? And if so, does this team cut down the nets or is there going to be another team that interferes with their plans? It's definitely, I definitely think this team is going to go to New Orleans. I just feel like they're destined to do that just because they've all, if every year they've really had it in New Orleans, Kansas has made it. Problem is, last two times they've been in New Orleans, they've lost in the uh, national championship. One was a, unfortunately to a, Syrac- a Syracuse team with Carmelo Anthony, thanks to uh, Kansas's uh, 12 of 30 from the free throw line that day. And then Lost to the Anthony Davis uh, led uh, Kentucky team, which uh, that Kentucky team was better than that KU team in 2012. But it definitely felt like KU could have won that game if there was like another like two to three minutes left because I thought KU had a little bit of surge in them, but they just ran out of time and just couldn't couldn't overcome that. But uh, I definitely think at least Final Four. I think most likely as of right now, Gonzaga would be like the biggest threat to prevent KU from cutting down the nets in New Orleans. But as of right now, it's it's really hard to predict uh, teams right now in college basketball early in November. You usually have to wait till like January, February to have a get a better gauge of uh, who's going to be like the biggest threats to winning a national championship or making it to the final four. So I'm just going to keep it at that. I think KU is this year's team that that should be their goal. It should be a national championship this year. That should be their ambitions, and uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll they'll be able to do it this year. Mm-hmm. All right, I've thought about it for many times. <laughs> I will say that the Kansas Jayhawks are 2022 national champs, and will have their second title in three years. Ha <laughs> ha! 
because <laughs> they should have won it in 2020. The COVID year wiped out a perfect opportunity for them to win, but that never happened. I will say the 2020 Jayhawks, 2022 Jayhawks, rather, knockoff. I'm going to say Gonzaga. So I think Gonzaga and Mark Few, congratulations. You will now lose back-to-back -back national championship games. Gonzaga's loaded, as they are every year. They have some fresh faces like Shed Holmgren, but they also have a lot of key returners from that runner-up team. Texas could be a potential Final Four matchup, and it feels like we always get that one team that, you know, like we had UCLA last year, Auburn to in 2019, Texas Tech. Always that one team that, you know, is good enough to make a Final Four, but not good enough to make, not, you know, not a, <laughs> national, a true national championship team, but we might get one of those this upcoming season. But as of right now, Candace over Gonzaga in the national championship. Who knows if it ends up panning out, but we'll see. Once again, we have to thank Matt Tate for spending probably the first 20, 25 minutes talking with us. But once again, for people who are listening for the first time, we are available on Spotify and Apple Podcast, the Sports Mecca Podcast. Feel free to listen to us, download our, our interviews with players, with coaches. And if you have not, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Both our Instagram and Twitter pages are at the Sports Mecca. Sam, any last words before we end this? I think I think Bill Self's gonna be as motivated as possible with seeing Scott Drew get his uh, natty. I think Bill Self is hungry to get number two now. Sounds good to me. Always need some extra motivation after seeing your competitors win. Always. Thanks, bro. thanks everybody for uh, for checking it out, and uh, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify or download us on on Apple Podcasts. Calling me down, 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 down. My foolish heart turns out to be on a beat. All that I am is all that you see. You don't need nobody else, and you put.